Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. How do you find the right properties? How do you, you know, source opportunities that may not even be direct property? Like in terms of for some people, they don't need more property, they need cash flow. How do we give them that? So that's the business model. This is Property Investry where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we talk with Luke Harris and Matthew Bateman, both property investors and co-founders of The Property Mentors. Having had drastically different beginnings into the industry, the two investors shares the ups and downs of each of their property journeys and how they end up joining forces to start a business together. Having started his property journey in his early 20s, Harris has had a considerable amount of experience in the industry and hopes to share them with the members of his business, the Property Mentors. Hi, I'm Luke Harris, the, the CEO of the Property Mentors. Um, I've been investing for about 20 years in business for my whole working life basically and I started investing in residential property in Western Australia and built a successful property portfolio during my 20s. Uh, have done multiple developments and renovations and subdivisions over the years and really I'm passionate about everything property related and uh, my role here at the Property Mentors is to help lead and guide the team to help our investors and our members to get better results working with a team of experienced property mentors rather than going out there and doing things on their own. Bateman, on the other hand, started his property journey only after securing profits from his chiropractor business. My name is Matthew Bateman. I'm the co-founder of the Property Mentors and my journey is a little bit different to Luke's in that I came into property probably after a series of investment mistakes. Um, so my background is um, I graduated as a chiropractor, uh, set up health and wellness businesses um, uh, back uh, uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and then as I was going through that, making money and profits from those businesses, I started to do some investing. And Unfortunately, you know, basically threw a lot of money away chasing investments that didn't, I didn't understand and wasn't educated in and, you know, lost both money and time. So got to a point where I actually had to sit down and say, hang on, let's rework this because it's not working the way it is. And so I made a decision to a really simple decision that some people might relate to was, was to take profits from my business and then reinvest them into growth assets 
my growth asset of choice became property and then I went out and successfully built a multi-million dollar portfolio over, um, well, I've been investing in property now for over 20 years. So definitely not an overnight success. Property is one of those vehicles that if done well, um, can provide really good long-term uh, wealth benefits. Um, and like Luke, I've along the way done, you know, a whole bunch of things from investing in off-the-plan apartments, townhouses, house and land packages. I've gone and done, you know, multiple renovations, you know, small-scale subdivisions. And now with Luke, we're controlling over over $150 million worth of developments around Australia. Every day is different for Harris and Bateman as they work on different investment projects with different people. Any given day, we've got a team of mentors here, so I'm often involved in the, the day-to-day uh, mentoring and helping them to assist our, our members to get better results. So there's a lot of workshopping that goes on behind the scenes around how to structure people's portfolios and how they can get the best outcome. Uh, at the same time, obviously, Matt and I are developing property around the country, so I'm actively involved in a lot of the behind-the-scenes work with uh, anything from dealing with builders to interior designers, councils, lawyers. Uh, so on a day-to-day basis, there's a lot of work involved with uh, with you know all of those people uh, and, of course, with, with banks and lenders, and, and there's a lot of activity on that side of things. So really, no two days are the same uh, with, with what Matt and I do. Their days revolve around communicating with their members and researching for future projects. Again, there is no typical day because they're all different, but I guess my main roles in the business um, are relating to um, our education platform. So I'm always doing a lot of research and um, looking at ways to bring, I guess, a high level of education to all of our members. Um, and in addition to that, obviously doing a lot of work on, you know, future projects, you know, research. I travel all around the country doing both live events. We do online trainings, um, but I'm also out in the field, you know, negotiating and doing deals on behalf of our members so that we can all get a better result. Harris grew up in Perth and with no interest staying in school, he started his own business when he was 19 years old. I grew up in Perth and uh, I really... Start, fell out of high school actually. I didn't really enjoy school. I was probably the opposite to Matt. I didn't really have much fun at school. I really wanted to get out in the world and sort of start start taking over the world as I say. So I left school at a young age and uh, got a job. Um, started my first business at 19 and bought my first property at 20. So I was uh, quite entrepreneurial from a young age and just wanted to get out there and, uh, and start building wealth. Harris was first exposed to the property industry when he worked as an electrician throughout different types of properties. I um, wanted to be an electrician, surprisingly, and uh, during my teenage years in Perth, this was before the mining boom and when there was a massive shortage of tradies, um, I couldn't get a job as an electrician. There was just no apprenticeships available in the area that I lived. And um, I wrote letters to about 80 different electricians trying to find an apprenticeship. And eventually, uh, a job came up working for an electronic security company. And I thought, well, that's close enough. I get to climb around in the the roof when it's 40 degrees. So uh, that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So I really uh, got out there and I was involved in uh, and working in buildings all day, every day. So I did a lot of uh, commercial uh, buildings and I was involved in a lot of residential properties, anything from you know the cheapest um, cheapest suburbs in Perth right through to the most exclusive, expensive, multi-million dollar properties. So I really got a good insight into all different types of property and you know working in buildings all day, every day. It was something I was I was completely passionate about properties from a young age. So I guess I got exposure to the the high end of town and saw a lot of really amazing properties and I saw what was possible. After realising how good he was at his job and how he could be making more money, Harris started to work as a contractor. 
I'm a fast learner in some parts of my life. Um, I started installing um, when I was, you know, 16, uh, then turned turned 17, and uh, I uh, thought, well, I'm not getting enough money here, so I went and got another job that paid a little bit more. And after after a little bit of time, sort of in that space, I said to my boss, look, I'm installing. I want to be a uh, a contractor because I'm paying the the contractors in this role, so I want to go and make some more money. And he said, sure, you can do that. And um, after a little while, I sort of thought, hang on, I'm contracting to this company. Why don't I go out there and get my own clients? So it was sort of a, a natural progression thinking, well, I've got all the skill sets I need. Uh, why am I giving my you know, giving my time to these people when I could be doing the same amount of time and earning more money? So that sort of naturally progressed from being a contractor into owning my own business at 19. And I, I ran that business for four years before I moved to Sydney. Despite not knowing how to run a business, Harris was determined to make things work and his persistency and hard work paid off in the end. I think that the way that it actually happened though is that um, I didn't have any skills necessary in business um, but I guess there's a lot of businesses out there and I worked in, went into a lot of shops and cafes and restaurants and I thought these people are running businesses and they can pull it off. They're not particularly bright sometimes um, and I thought well if they can do it, I can do it. So I kind of, when I was in my teenage years, I was obviously a cocky little um, kid from Perth and I thought I sort of knew everything as a lot of teenagers do. I didn't change much in my 20s, mind you, or my 30s as some people might say. But um, look, I think at the end of the day, I, I thought, well, if, if if I don't give it a try, I'm never going to know. And I think that was the, the the way that I really started the business was thinking I can back myself and I will go out there and I'll make it work. And that's that's what happened. Harris also had no prior experience with the property side of things as his parents were quite conservative with their money and had no interest in property investment. They were quite conservative uh, with their investing and, and, and what they did. Um, so I didn't really have any direct connection with any property investors at all. And I was out there, like most investors, um, really just reading newspapers and magazines and tapes and CDs back in the day um, and going to seminars and events and everything I could possibly get my hands on to learn about property. And really, there was no formal education in property or business. Um, I was really real-world experience just going out there and, and really soaking up all of the information that I could get my hands on. Bateman grew up in the southern suburbs of Sydney, stayed in school a little longer than Harris. So I grew up in Sydney, so southern suburbs of Sydney, so I went to public school, so there was no private schooling for me. Um, School for me, the academic side of it wasn't a big challenge and I'm not trying to brag and say I was a genius, I'm not, but what I did find was that the maths and the science and the English and everything that they taught just made sense and I probably had a pretty good memory. So, you know, I was able to pretty much regurgitate all of that when it came time to exams and tended to get pretty good marks. So because I didn't have to put too much energy and headspace into that, I, I sort of really focused into two other areas of my life. One was playing sport and the other one was chasing girls. Bateman eventually started his own business after becoming a renowned chiropractor and even working for Australia's most successful Olympians. That's how I grew up. Um, my sport really probably was my big focus through my 20s. Um, so um, I actually competed personally at a, at a high level and um, then went on as a chiropractor to work with some of Australia's you know, Olympic and world champions across a range of different sports, particularly things like swimming. I've worked with you know, first grade rugby, rowers, um, boxers. Um, you know, there was a whole range of different sports that, that I um, had the ability to work with. And really for probably three Olympic campaigns, I travelled um, and worked one-on-one with some of Australia's best uh, Olympic s- swimmers. So um, had a lot of fun doing that um, and obviously at that same time building my business. A little bit like Luke, um, 
business was an interesting one for me and that I didn't I guess really set out to be a business person but sort of fell into it pretty early on because when I was studying to be a chiropractor I um, actually made the decision to team up with some experienced chiropractors and actually start a business with them so I guess naively I went into that business thinking that because they were experienced chiropractors that they were also experienced business people but what I soon learned was that um, whilst they were good at their trade, so they were good with their hands and they were good with, with helping people get healthier, what they weren't so good at was running a business and all of the systems and the back end and all the processes that a system needs to thrive and survive. So I actually ended up really deferring my studies for some time. I actually studied part-time so that I could really focus on growing the business behind um, these chiropractors so that we could actually have a, you know, a, a growth system that actually worked and was replicatable. So, you know, that was a real learning lesson. And like Luke, I probably learned uh, on the ground and, you know, through the school of hard knocks as opposed to any sort of formal learning in business. While both Harris and Bateman found success in starting their own businesses, Bateman believes that is not always the right way to go. And to be honest with you, some for some people, they're actually better off just focusing on what provides them with both a their greatest passion and joy but also what they're good at and what they can actually maximize their income level at so i'm not recommending everyone go into business by any means i'm actually saying for some people you're better off staying in a job particularly if it's a high paying job and then actually letting your uh, i guess income work for you behind the scenes in things like property and other you know growth assets like harris bateman didn't have much exposure into property investment before delving into the industry himself Money wasn't really spoken about in our household. So my dad was an engineer. My mum was a high school teacher. Um, we were a family of seven. So um, my parents were very magnanimous and actually adopted three kids in addition to myself and my brother at a young age. So, um, you know, there was always plenty of love and plenty of money to go around. And when I say plenty, it, was, it wasn't that we were flush with cash. I'd call us, you know, a basic middle income, you know, suburban family growing up and doing what suburban families do. Um, but, yeah, there was not a really strong influence. They weren't investing heavily into property. Um, obviously, they had the house that they lived in. They bought a little holiday house down on the south coast of New South Wales, which, you know, gave the family a lot of joy and satisfaction. And I think they paid $77,000 for that property. It's worth over a million dollars today. So, you know, they got the results from property, but they weren't what I would consider to be property investors, meaning they didn't treat it like a business. They didn't go out with plans and goals. Um, they just bought property. And obviously, over the longer term, they've, they've had the ability to, you know, to really benefit from property, but by no ways or means were they, they property investors as far as I'm concerned. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into both Harris's and Bateman's property journeys where they share the stories of the first investment property. So I went and had a chat to him, sounded you know, really knowledgeable um, and he basically helped me get into my first property. The time when Harris lost out on both time and money in a development project gone wrong. The lesson that I learned and it took me a year or two afterwards to actually have this realization was that I've done a lot of that work manually myself and I've done it in my spare time. Some lessons both of them have learned while making mistakes on the property journey. And then to probably layer on Luke's point about planning is that when I went into investing, I didn't have a plan. So if you don't have a plan and you don't have the education base, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. 
They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Western Australia is tipped to be the next property hotspot. If you're looking to invest and build in WA, take advantage of the affordable land market and record build times with Plunkett Homes. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build to find out why they are WA's most established home builder. With over 150 years of experience, Plunkett Homes helps you develop turnkey homes across WA. To get your fixed price demolition or site works and to maximize profits and minimize time, visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build. And now back to the show. Harris started his property journey at 20 years old when he bought his investment property and decided to add value onto it himself. So I grew up in a suburb called Marmion in, in Perth on the beach. Um, at the time, I, I didn't realize how close to the beach we were and how valuable that land was. When you're a kid, everything's just, you know, that's your home and it's your street that you grew up. Now, you're talking about, you know, multi-million dollar property 20 years later, 30 years later. Um, but I guess um, the way that I bought that property was, of course, uh, my friends and family were in that area. So I wanted to buy close to where I grew up because that's just how most people buy their owner-occupied property. Our first property was owner-occupied, later became an investment property. But um, the way that I, I found that property was just doing the research and I guess um, finding the the best suburb I could afford to be in. Um, and really, the property was a, a fantastic property, eight k's, 18 k's from Perth CBD, about a kilometre from the beach in a suburb called Dunkraig and basically across the road from Marmion where I grew up. So when I moved into that place I've always been pretty handy I guess with with uh, things like renovations and um, you know having a, a full van full of tools and I had electricians working for me at that stage um, I had a lot of mates that were tradies as well and so I very quickly started doing uh, improvements and renovations to that property and obviously it started off with a paint job and then it quickly uh, came to doing a bit of landscaping and uh, six months later uh, the photos will show that basically the whole place was being gutted. Uh, front yard, front yard, backyard, the walls got rendered, the roof got painted, the gutters were done. Pretty much anything that could be replaced was replaced. Um, not sure how I funded all of that, but I managed to make it work. Um, but I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of mates were called in at the time uh, to, to help out. I had friends, friends and family in all sorts of different trades and, you know, uh, a, a case of beer went a long way back then in your early 20s so uh, it was a very good payment method for friends and family to come and help. With his experience as an electrician, Harris always preferred to do the field work and the nitty-gritty development jobs all by himself. While this definitely showed that he was hardworking, the habit proved to be his downfall during one investment project. I'm actually quite cautious by nature. I don't um, I don't take massive risks. There's always a calculated risk with your investing and you know making sure that I'm making good decisions that are going to impact my long term results. So I'm not I'm not the sort of person that's really gone out there and lost money in any investing that I've done. Um, but in saying that, um, there's been certainly lessons on my journey 
that had I had a mentor or a coach there to hold my hand and sort of stop me from doing, uh, you know, some stupid things along the way, I could have actually got better results. One example that I've got is that, um, and Matt's laughing already because he knows the story I'm about to tell, <laughs> is that um, I was doing a renovation. I was living in a suburb um, of, of um, South Yarra. Uh, here in Melbourne. So after Sydney, I moved to Melbourne in 2004 and uh, I was renting in South Yarra and I had a property down in Seaford on the coast, on the on the bay here. And uh, I was driving down at night time and on weekends to go and paint this property. And I was doing a renovation basically remotely. We're talking 35 k's from where I lived. So it was a bit of a trek and I was spending all of my weekends down there and pulling down walls and painting and pulling up carpets and landscaping and you, you name it, the whole place was renovated. The job took Harris six months to complete by himself but in the end, it didn't save him any time nor money. It took six months to, to do that renovation, six or seven months and then it took another month to lease it out at the end and I've lost about eight months of time, really my spare time, uh, focusing on renovating that property and of course, all, all of the other spare time was spent at Bunnings with my credit card and if anyone's done a renovation, they know the story. There's probably people going to listen to this and laugh that when you go to Bunnings for, for a, uh, a screwdriver or a pack of screws, you end up walking out and you spend $300 on stuff that you probably don't need, but you have the feeling at the time that it's going to add value to the property. So I did a lot of that. The lesson that I learned, and it took me a year or two afterwards to actually have this realisation, was that I'd done a lot of that work manually myself and I'd done it in my spare time. So not only had I lost six to eight months of my free time, um, I'd actually sort of cost myself all of the interest repayments on that particular property because I'd done it all myself. And I actually realised that had I just paid trades to do the work and if I'd paid a tradesman just to come in there and paint it, they could have painted it in two or three weeks um, during business hours while I was at work. And I wouldn't have lost six to eight months worth of uh, interest payments on the loan and I could have actually just had the property tenanted much sooner. So I guess the lesson in there was that sometimes, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's been one of my my lessons that I've taught myself. Um, Just because you can do the renovation yourself and just because you can paint um, doesn't mean that you should. And, you know, I, I figured that painting was such an easy task. Why would I pay somebody to do that? But you know, if you looked at the cost of what I'd spent in interest repayments, I was no further in front by doing it that way. So that's probably one of my my uh, funnier lessons that I would say. Um, one of the other renovations that I did was quite carefully planned on an apartment that I bought in Perth. It was a two-bedroom apartment and a friend of mine was a um, carpenter here in Melbourne and um, we actually coordinated a renovation from Melbourne and planned a two-week trip over there to completely gut an apartment and renovate the whole thing and we managed to pull it off in 12 days instead of 14 days Um, but that was very carefully coordinated and it was certainly after I'd done this other seafood project. Harris has learned to thoroughly plan his projects and has brought this lesson to the business he runs with Bateman. I think the aha moment that sort of resulted in us setting up the property mentors is that planning is everything. Um, When you come back to you know the, the core Um, understanding of what property investing is about. It's about getting some long-term sustainable results. Most people are investing in property not because they love property or because they love going through the pain of applying for finance or because they love the stress that's involved with, you know, vacancies and and interest rates and all of the other fun components of property investing. Everybody's investing because they've got an end result that they want to achieve. And I guess the aha moment for me was that planning is crucial, yet 95% of investors are out there 
shopping for property without really knowing what their plan is. And this is the the exact reason why we've set up a business that teaches and and mentors people to help them work out what their long-term goals are and work backwards from the end result rather than just going out there and talking about property and, and saying, here's a property, you should buy it. Our approach is very different to most people because we know what's worked and what hasn't worked for ourselves personally. Bateman's first experience with investing in property was both a good and a bad one. Obviously, my first purchase was actually here in Melbourne. So when I finished all my sport and I finished um, uh, all my studies um, and sort of started setting up businesses and running businesses, making money, I didn't start investing in property. I actually went into a whole range of different things that I probably shouldn't have. And again, I guess you, you talk about an aha moment and, and some lessons. What what I learned was, um, you know, I followed the advice of at that time trusted advisors so I followed the advice of some accountants and some financial planners and and other people because I assumed that they knew more than I did what I later found out was that you know obviously they were getting commissions and kickbacks and all sorts of things to recommend those products not necessarily because they were good for me and I I think the Royal Commission at the moment is probably highlighting I guess some of the behaviors of you know a whole range of different uh, people across the financial services sector and you know, like I guess a lot of people, I was, you know, I was focused on my business. I was focused on making profits and helping people, uh, you know, with their health. And, you know, for me, investing was just something you should do, not something that I necessarily invested a lot of time or energy in. I actually trusted and, you know, listened to, I guess, the advice of people who perhaps I thought should have known more than I did. Um, so my first property actually was also interesting in that it was a referral from a friend. So um, I had a chiropractic colleague. Um, they just bought a couple of investment properties and they said, go talk to this guy. You know, he's really good. So I went and had a chat to him, sounded, you know, really knowledgeable. Um, and he basically helped me get into my first property. We bought, I bought a, um, a four-bedroom townhouse here in the suburb of Coburg in, in Melbourne, which is around seven kilometres to the north location. It was right on the Merrick Creek, um, surrounded by parklands. You know, I went and had a look at the site and thought, yeah, no, this, this makes a lot of sense. There's good tram infrastructure and public transport infrastructure. You know, it, it, it seems like it's a good investment. Without doing enough due diligence and background research, Bateman lost out on a fair amount of profits. What I didn't sort of probably do enough research on was, I guess, the comparable sales in the area or the actual price point um, and actually ended up buying a property, signing a contract. Now, at that point in time, lending conditions were quite favourable and, in fact, we were able to get a value that was a valuation that was very favourable to the point where I think from memory, I might have got into that property for as little as $5,000 out of my own pocket. So, you know, almost a no money down deal. So, to me, it made sense. But what I didn't realise is that I was still paying too much for that property in hindsight. In effect, I probably paid maybe $50,000 too much for that property. Um, Had I done a a deeper level of research and due diligence, I probably would have got a better deal um, either buying somewhere else or renegotiating actually the price on that one. So that 50000 most likely just went to those, uh, I guess, marketing agents and, and companies that were helping to promote that product. So look, at the end of the day, I still made money on that property. Um, I sold it, uh, or I don't even know what year I sold it, maybe 2011. So I made you know, the property more than doubled in value. So it's not like I lost money, um, but I could have done better had I, you know, been more educated. Bateman's own aha moment was when he realized he had been chasing the wrong investment properties for all the wrong reasons. All of that 
you know, series of events in those first few years, chasing all the wrong investments for, you know, all the wrong reasons. Like I ended up doing some exploratory gold mining and investing into a company doing that. And, you know, the reason that it was recommended was it was 100% tax deductible in that year. So I thought, well, I've got some income and I've got some tax to pay. I may as well, you know, reduce my tax. But what I did was I reduced my tax, but I lost all my capital. So it wasn't really a win at all um, investing into that strategy. And I guess I said it earlier, at some point you get to after you, you go out into the investment space looking for a certain result, but when you don't find it, you've got to actually reassess what you're doing. And for me, what I made the decision was, was that I wasn't educated in investment markets and I needed to become educated. Obviously, I'd gone to school, I'd gone to university, I'd got degrees, I was good at what I did in, in the chiropractic space, um, but I was not educated in the financial markets and in the investment space. So I actually made a decision to go and invest a lot of money and I spent over the next probably 10, 15 years, I would have spent over a quarter of a million dollars in education. So I went and did training. I bought every DVD I could get my hands on and, you know, every course, seminar, you know, I'd spend $10,000 on a weekend training course. I'd, you know, I'd take on coaches and mentors and I'd really lifted my education levels up to a very high level so that I could actually make smart decisions when it came to investing. And then to probably layer on Luke's point about planning is that when I went into investing, I didn't have a plan. So if you don't have a plan and you don't have the education base, it's just a recipe for disaster. Having experienced many highs and lows while on their property journey, Harrison Bayman aimed to stop fellow investors from making the same mistakes and thus become successful through the joint business. The whole business model that we set up at the Property Mentors was really based on Luke and our our own experience and our own mistakes. And we said, there's really three things that investors need to get ahead in this game. Number one, they need the right education. And that's not necessarily just going and diving into, you know, 64 million books. So in fact, for most people, it's not a lack of information that's a problem. There's too much information. But the problem is all the information is conflicting. It's coming from different sources. They don't know who to trust, where to go. And it can just seem overwhelming and it gets to the point where you just go, oh, I'll just do something. And often that's, you know, might give you a result, but it might give you a bad result at the same time. So we said we've got to get the right education. So we've spent years building up that education platform for our members. The next thing that you need is obviously a plan and somebody to help you with that plan, both in terms of the how do you plan for your future, but then obviously beyond that, what are all the day-to-day decisions that we need to make? What are all the small baby steps that need to happen? Like who do you need to talk to and what sort of team do you need to build around you to be really successful? So that's the second component. And the third component is when Luke and I came together, we'll probably come back to that because I know that you want to know a little bit about, it, I guess, how we how we joined forces. But when we did come together, we came together on the proviso that we could do more together than what we could do as individual investors. And then that sort of morphed into helping friends and family and then it grew into the, the business. And when we decided to, to, to set up the property mentors, we really stripped the property investment space all the way back to the, to the roots. And we said, what's good? What's bad? And if we were to start over and actually rebuild our portfolios from scratch, or if we already had an existing portfolio and we wanted to supercharge it or put it on to, you know, turbocharge, how would we do that? And so we built the business around the concept of the right education, the right support, but also the right opportunities. How do you actually, how do you find the right properties? How do you, you know, source opportunities that may not even be direct property? Like in terms of for some people, they don't need more property, they need cash flow. How do we give them that? So that's the business model. 
So, inspired by Harris's and Bateman's investment story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode where the two investors share how and why they decide to run a business together. When Luke and I both sort of identified that we we're effectively on parallel rail tracks, we we're, were going in exactly the same direction, doing exactly the same thing, we said, well, hang on, why, why do it on our own? How they each overcame their own ego and reached out to other mentors for help on their property journey. And when you talk to most people, the first conversation, they say, I just want to get rich. Luke, tell me how to, how to get rich. Their property investment strategy, which has resulted in $150 million worth of property development projects across Australia. Really, there's five key things that you need to be able to do any property development successfully and one of them is obviously the financial capacity. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, Learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.